the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I did not qualify to be in the uh, Republican debate tomorrow night. Uh, but that is happening. Welcome to the show. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, we're going to have Dennis Prager on our program here in just a couple of moments. We're going to talk about leadership and with respect to the uh, Impact 23 Pastors Conference that KKLA is putting on pretty soon, where Dennis will, will be there as one of our speakers, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Hey, so um, I don't know if you're even wanting to pay attention. It seems so early to me, but the first official Republican debate for the office of president is tomorrow night, and it's in Milwaukee, and uh, there's a bunch of people on the stage, a couple of people, one person notably may not be on the stage, and I'll talk about that here in just a minute. Who do you think made it? Actually, there's two people who may not be on the stage. One for sure is not going to be on the stage, and that is former President Donald Trump. Do you think he ought to be on the stage? Here's the here's the calculus. He says he's not going to be in any of the debates, or at least it's a little unclear. For sure, not this one. I'll bet if it gets close at some point, he'll be in the debates. But uh, right now, he says he's not going to. And that's because his lead is huge. Depending on whose poll you want to believe, he's anywhere from 20 to 40 points ahead of typically Ron DeSantis running second. So Trump says he's just not going to be there. What's wrong with that? Well, you know, people have different arguments about it. From a political standpoint, the reason that you're not there, if you're Donald Trump, is because you're so far ahead that you really have only everything to lose. You know, sometimes what happens in a debate is you get caught, you know, you know, and saying something that makes you look terrible or you just, you know, there's a you know, what could happen is any one of these candidates might say something that just destroys their campaign all of a sudden. Now, Donald Trump is far beyond that, right? I don't, I don't, personally, I think he ought to be there. I think he, you know, wants the voters to vote for him again. Most say that they're going to do that. Uh, but I think he should debate. I, I don't like it when anybody doesn't debate. Frankly, I think President Biden, if he's truly running, and I doubt it, but if he's truly running, he ought to debate uh, RFK Jr., who is running and polling uh, 15 to 20 percent of the vote against him. I think he should debate and have to run those primaries. If Gavin Newsom wants to get in or other people, I think that the president ought to debate. But uh, that's typically not what happens. I wouldn't expect politically either one of those two to do that. And it's because they only have, they can only lose uh, ground probably. So if it turns out that at the end of the day, Donald Trump is the Republican nomination, then what's going to happen tomorrow is effectively a vice presidential debate. Um, here are the people who are in it. And some of these people, maybe, maybe you're not even paying attention. I guess that's what I'd like to know. Is it too early for you? It used to be, not too long ago, that August the year before, and this has been going on since last November, so almost two years, Donald Trump announced, I believe, last November, 
and I think it was Nikki Haley shortly after that, and it's just so early. If you go back in time a little bit, some people didn't really even announce until October, November, and the Iowa caucuses would begin that January, just a couple of months before. But we have become, I think, a little obsessed with the process. I think that the news media drives it because they make money. And I'll tell you what, that's another issue, is Donald Trump not being there means a lot fewer people are going to watch it. It's a completely different debate. Whenever Donald Trump was on the debate scene, whether you like him or not, totally different thing. And huge money coming in from advertisers because advertisers know that the audience is bigger whenever Trump's there. And that's why Trump will be on all the stations. That's why he was on. I remember CNN, MSNBC and Fox. They all gave Trump an hour after one debate at his debate party afterward. And he wasn't really even talking about the campaign at some point. At some point, he was talking about Trump's stakes. And he was talking about all kinds of things, just you know, whatever was on the top of his mind, you know, all the networks were there. You know why? Uh, advertising budget. That's why they're there. Anyway, maybe it's just too early. I don't know if you have a feel about it, but it is what it is. And I do think that people ought to pay attention. So here's who's in uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. He has the most to lose because he's typically running second. He's not running that great of a campaign. I think he should have waited. I think he should have waited a long time. He probably could have waited till October, November to get in. Uh, but he didn't. Um, Vivek, we want to say Vivek, but it's Vivek Ramaswamy. You know who this guy is? I think you're going to after tomorrow. I think he has the most to gain probably tomorrow because he's young guy. He's 37. He's a tech entrepreneur. And um, he's also a uh, tennis player, apparently. If you follow him, he posted this this video on uh, the Twitter machine yesterday of him playing tennis, which is fine, except he's not wearing a shirt, you know, and he's just it's, he's not playing against anyone, I think. He's just he's got a machine probably, and he's just practicing. He called it debate prep. Okay, is that is that interesting to you? I don't know. Maybe it is these days. However, I'm going to play a clip of him in a minute because he he talks about something in a way that I think is important for us to um, to think about because most of these candidates are going to make comments about God or a Judeo Christian ethic. And that kind of conversation. I think we're going to hear a lot of the Judeo-Christian ethic and the foundations of our country from a Judeo-Christian standpoint. We're going to hear about that in this campaign more than we have maybe ever, because that is, I think, something that a lot of people, particularly on the right, believe is, and I'm, I'm somebody who believes that is the underlying reason that the West is failing, is that we have begun chipping away at our foundational beliefs. Judeo-Christian doesn't make you, when you have those as your foundations, and I'll tell you what that is. Uh, Judeo-Christian ethics, uh, Judeo-Christian values, people might say, or Judeo-Christian morality, it's a term used to describe a set of principles that are rooted in in Judaism and Christianity. They're rooted in the Bible, okay? And there's a lot of variations and nuances to it. However, most people believe that countries like, for sure, our own and also Western nations that have done well, that have done really well over the course of the last couple hundred years, it's because they are rooted in uh, Judeo-Christian principles. And those things are this, monotheism, all right, both Judaism and Christianity. There's other religions, but we believe in one God, that we don't all believe in the same God. And there's a whole lot of difference between somebody who just believes in God generally or believes there might be a God or they have a particular God or a particular idea of God. But there's a difference between one God and multiple gods 
or one concept of God or having no God. A huge difference in how you're going to live your life. Uh, A.W. Tozer said that the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God, because that will determine how you make decisions in life. It will determine your values. It will determine what you think is important. It will determine what you say yes to and what you say no to. It will determine, you know, whether or not you sin freely in some way or you decide not to. You decide to repent. Whatever you think about God is going to determine a lot about how you live your life and it's impactful. It's also impactful for a whole nation. Whatever the nation kind of as a whole thinks about God is determinative uh, in the direction that country will go. The Ten Commandments usually are considered part of Judeo-Christian ethics. Ten Commandments, when you just look at it from the you know, a legal standpoint, it's a set of moral and ethical guidelines that include not stealing, not committing murder, don't bear false witness, honor your parents, uh, don't covet uh you know i'm i'm you know obviously you worship the lord your god and remember the sabbath day and and um, don't commit adultery okay those things are foundational to a nation because a nation for example that has marriage as its core where husband and wife man and woman get married and they have kids and they become parents see all that's in there adultery husband and wife they get married uh don't kill each other see it's all there don't steal when a country does that when a group of people embrace those things, then what you have is a system that works. And you start to have a system where parenting matters, where you teach the next generation these same morals and values, and they go on to teach them to their kids, and the system will work better. There will be an understanding that that thievery is wrong, even an understanding that coveting is wrong. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or uh, your neighbor's manservant or maidservant uh, or his cattle or anything that is your neighbor's. Don't don't covet it. Don't wish it was yours. You can go out and earn your own. You can go out and do what you want to do, but somebody else has it. It's theirs. Be happy for them, and then you go out and try to do the best you can. You know, that when you when you put those things when you have one God, when you, uh, and obviously the Ten Commandments, you know, I think that we're talking about the living God from a Christian perspective. You're talking about one actual true God. Okay, as Christians, we believe that the other gods are not true. This God is real. Uh, Yahweh is real. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He is real, and He matters. And in that vein, we also believe that the commandments are not just there as some kind of religious principle, but they're there to help us navigate this life more correctly. And it will impact not just our personal life and not just our family life, but also our community and our our entire nation. So that even those people who don't believe in our God, if they're following the same principles, will benefit from those principles. They don't benefit spiritually, ultimately, because they don't believe in Christ. But uh, that is what we believe as Christians. But we also believe that God's commands are real, that they have a true impact. That's part of the Judeo-Christian ethic, love and compassion uh, for one's neighbor and uh, doing that charity and doing that uh, justice and fairness that matters, our legal system and trying to have a, a system that is fair to rich and poor, that doesn't discriminate. You know, what are our big sins as a nation? It's when we discriminate, right? When we don't give equal justice, when we feel like somebody gets better justice because they have more money. And, and that's you know, kind of what happens in a sinful, any sinful environment, which is every environment. But the drive to be against that helps us. It gives us a goal. It says to us that we can have a, 
a goal for a more perfect union and also at the same time acknowledge that we're not there. See, if we don't have the Judeo-Christian principles, then we don't have a goal of fair fairness or a justice system that works. Our goal might be a justice system that just suits me that stomps all over you because I might have more money or I might have some advantage. You know, that that's that tension when you embrace Judeo-Christian ethics, you have a goal that is outside anybody's greed or selfishness, and you can acknowledge that you haven't reached it, but you have a goal, and a goal that is above you, above your leaders. Respect for life, ethics, accountability, repentance, community, and family, all of those things are part of Judeo-Christian ethics. Um, You're going to hear that from these candidates, and you know, I want you to pay attention to that because I think it gives us a lot of thinking. Other people, Mike Pence, former vice president, is running. Uh, Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Tim Scott, South Carolina senator. So it's interesting that two people are running from the same state. Uh, there's a debate about whether Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are in the same state because Donald Trump could say, could say that his residency is New York, although I'm not sure. I think he would say Florida. And you can't be both from the, you can't be president and vice president from the same state, uh, I believe. Chris Christie, uh, former governor of New Jersey. Doug Burgum, you know who that guy is? <laughs> He's the North Dakota governor. And uh, do you know that he, there are these things that you have to do to qualify for this debate. And one of them is you have to have 40,000 donation. Individual people donate at least a dollar to your campaign. Uh, I do that sometimes. Just people who I think their voice ought to be on the stage, I'll give them a dollar. Um, I may not vote for them. I might not ever vote for them. But sometimes I think they have things to add. I don't know this guy. But he paid people $20 in gift cards for their $1 donations. I never even heard about that until today. Uh, So I didn't get to take advantage of that. I might have sent him a dollar for a $20 gift card. Uh, must be nice. There's only 700 and some thousand people in the state of North Dakota. You have that many people on your street here in Southern California. Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, and uh, who's not there is Donald Trump. And a controversy brewing today. We may talk about it more because he's a colleague of ours, Larry Elder, um, announced yesterday that he will be in the debate, that he qualified, but the Republicans today are saying that he didn't. And you have to do a few things. You have to have the 40,000 donors, and you also have to be polling at least 1% in uh, three different polls. And they disqualified one of his polls, but the one they disqualified, it sounds like, is Rasmussen on the grounds that uh, Donald Trump once used them, bought a, you know, paid for them to do a poll for him. But that's what these polling companies do. And Rasmussen is a respected national poll. They were one of two, I think, to actually get 2016 correct. Uh, I think they were off last time, but almost everybody was to various degrees. Uh, I don't think it's right. I think Larry is getting robbed. And I think that uh, if you are a Republican and you care, you should write the GOP on their Twitter or something and say, put Larry on the stage. I think he earned it. Uh, there are other people who uh, are running who are not there. And, and part of the reason for those restrictions is because, you know, there might be 50 people running. You just can't have 50 people you've never heard of up on the stage. Um, but I think if candidates like Larry earn it and meet your threshold, they should be on there. And so there's a lot of charges of politics. You know, the Republicans will will definitely find a way to lose if they can do that. And one of them is to... Uh, play politics with your own. All right, this is the uh, Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Vivek, Vivek, it looks like Vivek, but it's Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, I wanted to play this clip for you because he is a Hindu. He's not Christian. 
And you got to be very careful when people talk about God or they talk about other stuff. But a person asked him a question. I thought he answered it very well, actually, very straightforward. A Christian person asked him uh, this question. I love that you're uh, unabashedly proclaim that one of your tenets is God is real. And as a Christian, my faith is first and foremost who I am. Being a Hindu, can you please share your faith about God and what you think of his son, Jesus Christ? Thank you. So I appreciate that. So I'll share with you my faith and I'll share with you the relevance that I think it has to leading this country. So I'm a Hindu. There's many strains like there are Christianity, Catholicism, etc. There's many strains of Hinduism too. I believe in one true God. I believe that that God resides in each of us. See, that's different than Christianity, by the way, if you're not sure. So he's explaining a Hindu belief. What I'm appreciating about him is he's not kind of hiding behind it. Because you could say, as a Hindu, in different strains of it, you could say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ and his son. Because as a Hindu, you kind of believe in all the gods. All right? You have one belief, but you believe that there's all these many gods. And you could say, uh, to try to fudge it with an audience, that you believe that Jesus is uh, God in, the, in a similar way that a Christian would think so. He doesn't really do that, and I, I was happy about that. He continued this way. I think it is the same statement of spirit when we say in the Christian tradition, and I did go to Catholic schools and I've read the Bible perhaps more closely than most Christians I know. That was a little dig there, but uh, that also could be true. It's the same message as when we say we are equal because we are made in the image of God. It's the same spirit to say... That's where our equality comes from. It's not some secular value. We're equal in the eyes of each other because we're equal in the eyes of God. The tradition I was raised in, we say we're equal in the eyes of each other because God resides in each of us. Now, you have to realize here, and and I'm playing this because as, as a Christian show... I want us to hear the nuance, and I want us to be able to understand that Judeo-Christian ethic is not Christianity, all right? It is foundationally built on Christianity, also Judaism. And what he's explaining really is that his foundational beliefs for his campaign and for what he would bring as president are Judeo-Christian, and uh, that's, that's where he's going. But don't misunderstand that when he talks about God living in us, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not the same. That we each have a duty to one another. You know, think about that strand of sacrifice and duty. That's foundational to Hinduism. I think it's the common strand between the Old Testament and the New. I mean, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac for God. He didn't make him follow through with it. The New Testament, God comes back and says, I will sacrifice my son, Jesus Christ, for you, the people. And so that's a long way of saying that I'm not Christian. And just in my spirit of my answer to the last question, I will never pretend to be something I'm not. I'm always. I'm very happy about that, that he made that statement. I think that's good. That's straightforward. He's going to speak the truth about who I am and what I stand for. But I think it's deeply true that we share the same Judeo-Christian values that this nation was founded on. And this nation was absolutely founded on Judeo-Christian values. That's a fact. It is also a fact that I deeply share those values in common. And to be honest, does our church, does our family, when there is a Hindu temple available, will we go for our collection of self to a church if that's the next closest available opportunity for prayer? Yes, we will. And so in our... So you can kind of do that as a Hindu, okay, but don't misunderstand. Somebody who's coming to your church might have a different belief. And they might even say, oh, you're... uh," I'm not trying this to criticize him, but I think for an audience... You know, for our audience, we need to make sure that we can navigate this doctrinally. It's important. Tradition, we say Jesus Christ is a son of God, 
I understand that's different than saying he's the son of God. See, and that's super honest. I'm glad he said that. But we share the same value set in common. And I'm not running to be pastor-in-chief. I'm running to be commander-in-chief. <laughs> it's a different role, right? And, 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 and for that role, I think we share the same value set. Thank you. So anyway, I played that, I listened to that, and I thought, you know, for somebody who's running who's not Christian, every president we've ever had has claimed to be Christian. Not all of them have been, I think. God will be the judge of that. Jesus will be the judge of that. Uh, so a person like him, if he runs and he wins, um, would be actually the first non-Christian you know, or person anyway who acknowledges that he's not a Christian. And at the same time, though, he acknowledges that our country is founded on Judeo-Christian values, and he acknowledges that that's a fact, and it is a fact. If anybody tells you it's not a fact, they're just wrong. They're completely wrong historically. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. And as this campaign begins, you know, when candidates on any side, anybody starts to quote the Bible or something religious, well, we'll address that in different ways on this show, because I think it's important for us to not only hear and be able to discern things for ourselves, but also to make sure that in this world that we live in, um, and we have conversations about who we might be voting for, who's running or things that they said, that we can have that conversation with somebody in our life, our coworker or classmate or somebody, and be able to say, yeah, I heard the president or this candidate say this about the Bible. You know, he it not, didn't quit, get it quite right. You know, this is what the Bible actually says. This is what my faith really is. And we need to be able to do that. And uh, I think it matters. And it, it's especially hard to do if it's somebody who you really support, right? But it matters. 888-528-2557. Kevin and Glendale, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, hi, Pastor Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? Pretty good. So uh, I have some comments because uh, all of my families, they're all like um, Republican. I used to be a Republican, but uh, I became independent mm-hmm. in the past. But right now, the pool of the candidates for the presidential uh, election is too wide. And then even someone uh, who has like a really good uh, ideas and, um, you know, uh, to lead this country, they got drowned in the pool of the candidates and the opinion. So people just, I don't know how to say it, but uh, they become uh, compla- uh, complacent. And they just like, you know what? Who cares? Uh, who's number one? Donald Trump. I'm going to pick Donald Trump despite of what everything that's happening right now. So um, I'm so discouraged uh, with this election because we have so many candidates, good candidates, but because it got drowned in the pool of candidates, the sea of candidates, and nobody hear their voice. Well, we'll see so how that know, goes, uh, and, and I think that's a common thing. I'm going to have to go to a break here, Kevin. But, uh, you know, what I would encourage people to do is, wh- even if you've already decided, you're voting for Donald Trump or you're voting for Joe Biden or whoever, or you're voting for any of these guys who are up on the stage or ladies on the stage, uh, watch it anyway. You might have a different opinion. And this this is part of the political process that I think we have to do better at. Thank you, Kevin, for your call. Even if it is not exciting, you know, the debate will be more boring. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, it's not going to be as riveting as the last ones were. However, these people, what they have to say is right. What happens if Donald Trump isn't the candidate? What if he quits? What if he has a health problem? What if, uh, you know, these criminal things just go in such a way that he can't run? You know, we don't really know. I think, you know, barring those things, he'll probably be the candidate, but you never know. 
we got to watch and we got to say, well, I like that person. And one of these people will probably be a vice presidential candidate and maybe the vice president, maybe the following president, because if it's Trump or Biden, it's a one term person coming. And that's a weird place we're in, that we're going to elect somebody to only one term if it's either one of those two guys. All right, I got to take a break. I got Donald, uh, I got uh, Dennis Prager on with us as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, great to be with you today. Hey, I've got a special guest here. Coming up is the KKLA Impact Pastors Conference. It's on Thursday, uh, September 21st, 8 in the morning. And one of our presenters at the conference is Mr. Dennis Prager. And I've got Dennis Prager with me here on the Pastor Scott Show. Dennis, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And actually, we're in your studio, which is a little fancier than than the Pastor Scott Show studio, I must say. <laughs> Not I know, that it matters. I, I know it is. <laughs> but remember, this is relatively new. It is. I was in more humble, uh, lo- a more humble locale for most of my career. Well, you were in my locale. Is That's actually, right. Uh, exactly. Where you were. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great to have you here. So you're going to be at the uh, KKLA Pastors Conference, and we're grateful for that. Uh, why do you want to be uh, at the KKLA Christian Pastors Conference? Well for so many reasons i i believe my my biggest allies today are religious people mm. re- religious jews and religious christians the the battle in the final analysis and we are in a battle i mean yeah there is no battle. guarantee the west will survive the the onslaught against it from within mm. from within and it it is ultimately a religious secular battle even though we have secular friends on our side and we have religious people or quasi-religious people on the other side. But it really is. It, it's, as I say, only, as I say so often, only secular people say men give birth. Right. Not all <laughs> secular people say it. Right. But only secular people say it. Right. That's a very big deal. It, it, if you need to understand the destruction that the 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 demise of Judeo-Christian values and specifically Christianity in the West is is bringing. Yeah, this is something that you know for the the pastors' conference. One of the things we're going to be talking about is the culture that we live in today. How much of it is different since the COVID? Because it's not the same. Church is not the same after the shutdowns. A lot of people didn't come back. A lot of people moved around. I think there's a better sense now in churches that the culture is not on our side, that that there is this battle going on, that maybe, I think it's been going on a long time, but I think it's now more agreed upon that we have to do things different. What can we learn? We're going to talk about Moses at uh, the conference and leadership in particular. What can we learn about leadership in the church, not just from pastors, but for everybody listening? You know, everybody uh, influences people. You know, we influence people as a culture, the people around us. What can we learn? Well, one of the biggest is if a pastor, rabbi, priest, teacher, talk show host, anyone in a leadership position whose primary aim is to be loved will fail. Hmm. 
That's why fear of God must supersede fear of man. Do you think that's a big problem for leaders in general, that they want yes, to be loved? that's correct. I think that most politicians, not, not all by any means, yeah. but most enter for fame, glory, popularity, etc. It, and, and when I look at parenting of the last 50 years, where it's so obvious the greatest aim of the parent is that their kid always loves them. Yeah. I, I said this when I began 40 years ago in, in radio. Your kid is going to hate you anyway, so you might as well do the right thing. Right. <laughs> you know what I've noticed, though, is that your kid might hate you initially, but later on That's they love right. you for it, right? I, I, and the, the yeah, kids, I know that. The kids aren't stupid. They know yes. that you aren't parenting. They get They it. need a parent, oh, yeah. not a pal. Yeah, that's something I've been encouraged with a little bit, that at least even from some political leaders, even on the left, they've been asking, where are the parents when we've seen these break-ins and these riots? And maybe we're finally going to resort to what has actually always been true, that parents are to raise their kids uh, to be good citizens, to know what is right, how to treat people well, and parents need to say no. Parents, uh, you know... Vitamin N. That's what, vitamin uh, N, no? Yes, one great child psychologist put it. Yeah. The greatest vitamin is vitamin N. Yeah. The word no. Do you feel like that's the same with political leaders? And is that the reason that some of these philosophies that we talked about that just don't make any sense? Is it because people are just afraid of not being liked? That's right. Yeah. I, that's a, that has to go. Where did yeah. we get that? Why did that happen? Have you thought about over the last several years? Yeah, I don't I, remember that as a kid. That's correct. Being too much of a thing well i i actually believe and and this is interesting because i don't think all of your listeners will agree with me but i'll give you a symptom of that the, this elevation of the concept of unconditional love hmm. do you know if you check google has a very interesting thing you can put in a word or phrase and it will tell you how much it has been used from 1900 to the present. Yeah, I've used that. Well, put in unconditional love. Huh. In 1900, it's zero. Wow. 1960, it skyrockets. Not from religious people. Mm. From the psychotherapeutic culture yeah. that we have created. Mm. It's a very bad idea. And it's, Maybe you have it for a baby, but... I don't believe in it for anyone, really, no matter how your spouse treats you. What if your spouse beats you? Right. Are you supposed to have unconditional love? Then they'll say, well, God has unconditional love for us. But I don't I don't know where the evidence for that is. No matter how I act, God continues to love me. God wants to love me. But that, if God loves Hitler and Mother Teresa equally, and this may sound, uh, you know, bad, but I I will say it. I don't believe in a God who loves Mother Teresa and Hitler equally. I think maybe we have a cultural misunderstanding of what love is, because to do something or act in a way or refrain from saying no or refrain from discipline is not loving. You teach somebody the, a falsehood that's so right. that they live their life yeah. in a reality that's not reality. There's that's decidedly unloving. I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that unconditional love means you just do whatever you want. Well, that's the way, and the, I have that's to the, way the recipient hears yeah. it. Yeah. 
That's why it's funny because, you know, so few, many fewer Americans have children today. Well, and they tell the reason. My dog gives me unconditional love. My child doesn't. Hmm. But the purpose of having children is not to receive unconditional love. It's to pass on God's word to the next generation. And if you came home every day and you kicked your dog, I bet your dog would not give you the same love. It's a good right? point. It's just not that, true. That, 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 I never thought of that. That's you know, good. Yeah. it's it's something there. And, you know, uh, you know, with the Lord, as Christians, we would say the there is a condition. you got to believe in Christ, that, that somebody had All to right. die. God yes. just didn't say, okay, everybody yeah. up to heaven. Right. Somebody had to die. Blood had to be shed. There had to be sacrifice. That's what, you know, love is is not ignoring the reality of a relationship or the, the work that people do. You know, that's one of, we just have a, about a minute left, but these conversations are what we want to have at the Impact Pastors Conference and to really help pastors. And if you're listening, you know, send the link, go to kkla.com, click on the link, send it to your pastor, your ministry staff, because this is the real life conversation that's happening in everybody's homes, on the news, you know, the things that we really deal with. And we've got to understand this. And And we're going to talk about leadership and what we get that, you and I, Dennis Prager and I, uh, from the scriptures, from Moses. Uh, what, do you, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, just the chance to talk to you at length about, about this issue. I'll just end, by the way, on the love issue. And yeah. We are commanded, it's in the Ten Commandments, to honor our parents. We are not commanded to love them. It's an interesting thing, and uh, we should talk about that sometime. We're out of time for now, okay. but what I really want people to do is come to the Pastors Conference, go to kkla.com, click on the Impact 23 Pastors Conference, and uh, it's $5. The $5 goes to the rescue mission, and uh, if you can't do the $5, there's a coupon on there for that also, but uh, we really want to support the Union uh, Rescue Mission here in L.A. and what they do. And uh, bring your staff. If you're not a ministry leader, send that link to your pastor or to your ministry leaders at your church and invite them to come. It's going to be refreshing. We do have Dennis Prager. We also have many other keynote speakers. It's going to be a great day. It starts at eight in the morning. Breakfast and lunch is provided and uh, lots of things to learn about. Dennis Prager, thanks for being with us on the Pastor Scott Scott Show. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Can I just ask you why you think it's okay for males to play in female sports? Hey, stop misgendering people. How is that mis- I think it's really disrespectful to not refer to trans women as women. Because they are women. But they're biological. what you're doing right now is transphobia. Please go away. But they're biological Please go males. Away. Please go away. Interesting. Can I ask you why you think that males should be in female sports? Stop misgendering people. That's bigotry. Go away. That's a question. It's bigotry. Go away. <laughs> do you, you want to have transphobic? Do you want to go be transphobic? Not to a child. Kids should what? Sorry. That was a conversation that happened as an event blew up outside of a library in Davis, California, about an event that was actually uh, canceled and people were thrown out of the library for having a discussion about girls' sports and whether or not biological men can participate. And what was interesting about a lot of the conversations that are out here is that it was not a conversation about that. You just are not not allowed to say it, that there they would not engage with the conversation. You have to treat a biological man who now has is a trans woman. You have to say he's a woman. You can't even say trans woman. 
And the issue here that I'm talking about is that you can't say it. And if you want something that is concrete, it that's part of our national discussion right now that goes against a Judeo-Christian ethic. We've been talking about that this hour. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. You know, part of what is the foundation of not just our country, but really the foundation of where human beings have found freedom in this world. The world is not a world of freedom. It's a world, you know, human history is a history of slavery, a history of of one group of people oppressing another always. And every group of people has been oppressed at one point in time in different times in history. And we're living in an era where really for the first time in the last couple hundred years, we have this understanding. This is part of the Judeo-Christian ethic. This understanding that our freedom is something that comes from God. That freedom is not something that is granted to you by the state or granted to you by, uh, you know, some entity or some kind of power. That there are certain freedoms that come from God, whomever you believe that God to be. So it's certainly Judeo-Christian, and certainly we believe that as Christians, we're very specific about it. And part of what I want us to, the reason I'm talking about this is because I think as this presidential campaign starts, I believe this and these issues that we're seeing in the schools we're going to hear this phrase a lot, Judeo-Christian values. And I want us to understand what it means for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I do think our freedom is in jeopardy if we undo the foundations of why we're living in an era where this, is a, where this kind of freedom is a thing. And uh, the moral foundation for freedom is Judeo-Christian values, the concept of freedom such as the inherent dignity of the individual, the importance of respecting others, the idea of individual or natural rights, the moral framework for that that was developed at the founding of our country is so vitally important that if you are going to have a conversation uh, about race, about abortion, about the border about all these issues that have to do with humanity. The goal of any of our culture in preserving freedom and growing freedom is to say, how can we be more free? And you've got to respect people as made in the image of God. You have to start there. You have to start with the idea that every human being has rights that come from God, not rights that just come from the Constitution or the government. That we have certain inalienable rights. That's the idea. And it's critical. And if you take away, say, the right to speech because somebody, you just disagree with that person, like in the example we just heard, that you just don't like their opinion and you throw them out of the library, you throw them off, you're just not allowed to discuss something. And in this case, discuss something that human beings have always believed. Discuss something like the people who are speaking the scientific truth are being thrown out of the the conversation. Uh, And you know, that is the attack on our foundation. And I think that people who are dealing personally in areas of uh, sexual ethic or transgenderism and those kinds of things, they're they're kind of trampled on by the whole conversation because there's, there's hurting real people and parents really dealing with this and people, you know, in the middle of that. But don't miss the fact that this whole thing is actually the, the putting down of people for actually being able to express their Uh, religious opinion or their moral opinion or their scientific opinion, that to put that down is an attack on the foundation of our country that goes well beyond transgenderism or any other sort of ism. And it matters greatly. The second thing that I want to make sure that people understand is that, you know, 
a person who is talking about Judeo-Christian ethics, just because they hold to those values, it doesn't mean that they are themselves a Christian. And that's something that, you know, this gets into us as believers and the idea that there's people going to church and people who call themselves Christian who don't really believe that Jesus rose again from the grave, who don't really believe that Jesus is the Savior, that don't believe that salvation comes from through Christ because of grace or because uh, he actually died for your sins, that he actually paid the cosmic price of justice for your sins. Christians believe that this is real. And the reason Judeo-Christian values work in society when they're practiced and they bring freedom is because they're true. They're ontologically actually true. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Jose and Rosemead, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, hi, Pastor Scott. Uh, I've been listening to your um, broadcast about the about the transgender uh, people, mm-hmm. and I think you're right about it. I think it's kind of crazy, but lately it's been getting a little more, a little more, um, they've been doing it a lot more lately. It's going to become, I think this year, it's going to be, you know, in the next 12 months, probably coming up to the election, because there's political things tied to it, school boards and other things, it's going to be a major topic of conversation. Uh, and it needs to yeah. be, for the very thing that I'm talking about here, that at the end of the day, the issue is less transgenderism and more the the cultural foundational change. It really is, I hate saying cultural Marxism, because I think it makes people roll their eyes, but when you study what Marxism is, this is it. This is what it is. You yeah. attack the foundations of the family. That's the big yeah. issue, and I think that's why this is blowing up a little more. I think you hit it on the, uh, you hit the right topic when you said that the parents, uh, people aren't um, being parents anymore. They're kind of like um, going in the, every, dire- every, every other direction except staying at home and being the, the right type of parent for these kids. Because um, if you look at it lately, the Internet and all this has been like a lot of um, really influential in these last few years. Um, these kids are looking at towards um, bad influences and 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 it's got it's gotten a hold of them. They've they've been um, this this stuff is like really setting into their mind, into their brain. They're kind of like following whatever they see on the on the on the games or television or internet, mm-hmm. and they just follow through with it. They just go through with it, and like the family values are all they're erasing. The past is is, is kind of gone already. Well, it's, a, it's something that is, you know, is still there. I think that this is part of why parents have to parent and not just try to be friends. Like your goal is, as we just said, was your goal as a parent is not actually to make your child happy, right? Your your goal is to parent. Yeah. And in the, in the end, you do make them happy. That's the thing is that in the end, if you teach morality, if you teach them moral virtues and values, and as a Christian, if you teach the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. So then when your kids do go out and mess up and they decide to repent, they know that that repentance is to the Lord and it counts. It's good. And you can be redeemed and you can recover. And these all these great positive things. If you're teaching the truth and you're teaching the grace of God to your kids and you're teaching more, they might hate you. You're, you know, your teenage kids, you know, they just might not like your rules or your stance on things. And they might say, I hate you. They might say terrible things to you. But, yeah, a lot uh, of these kids don't believe in God anymore. They they, yeah. they they don't think he exists, you know? There's a lot who don't believe in God, but they're looking for some truth, okay? They're, they're looking yeah. for it. And I think that what we're going to see this year is, 
I think that the conversation about what is true, what really are our values as a society, is going to force the conversation. And I think that a lot of people are going to turn to Christ in it because you have truth. You have a Savior. You have uh, you have a system that actually does offer a path to salvation, to truth, and grace. And if you understand that, um, it's the greatest thing ever. Now, some people are just going to reject that, you know, maybe in, in big numbers. And it's scary. Uh, there's a poll that said that misgendering someone should be a crime, according to millennials. So that generation of millennials believe that if you call somebody by the wrong pronouns, according to this particular survey, 44% said that should be a crime. Oh, yeah, you got to be careful with what you say these days. You can't even, you got you to be politically uh, correct, I think is the word. It's not, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I don't even know if we use that anymore, but it's the same idea, except we're making yeah. it criminal yeah. to go against a narrative that goes against. We can't do that. And, and I appreciate your call, yeah. Jose, and thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. You know, there was a protest downtown for the parents. Maybe we'll talk about that later this week when we kind of learn more about what really happened there. And and, and these protests that are going to happen, I think, in greater numbers in the the schools and other places. I think it's really important, too, as, as we're talking about politics, that we don't turn this into right versus left, that this can't become Republicans and Democrats. It's typically Democrats or who are pushing the left-wing virtues. But I think that many Democrats don't actually hold to that. It's just that Democrats have this idea of vote blue no matter who. And the people that you're voting for, if you're Democrats right now, have philosophies that are supporting this. And I don't think you, I think, I don't think most of you who are Democrats actually support that. I don't think most of you think that boys should be swimming on the girls swim team. Uh, there's a, a weightlifter who just won the champion female weightlifter thing who's a dude. And then he goes online and he, he sort of mocks the idea that why are women so terrible at this, he says. Why are women just not good at weightlifting? Well, the reason you beat them by like 400 pounds is because you're a guy, that there's a biological difference. That's not partisan. That that whole thing cannot be partisan. And it's so much deeper than the transgender issue. It is cultural Marxism. We have to be against that because it will be against every foundation that we have that is the freedom for us to disagree on other things, to disagree on taxation, to disagree on foreign policy, to disagree on size of government, to disagree on a whole lot of different things. We should be allowed to have those conversations and disagree. But if we're going to come to a point where you're just not allowed to say certain things, that is super bad for everybody for every single person. All right. Thank you, everybody. This is, uh, we'll continue with hour two here in just a moment. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, does the president or any leader need to be empathetic and pastoral when they're dealing with things? You can watch the Pastor Scott Show at kkla.com. If you miss an hour of the show, go to the Pastor Scott Show podcast and subscribe. You can also find us on social media at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back with hour two as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.